Hey, welcome back to the Pops Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Aji is giving us a powerful message that you're not going to want to miss. Take it away, Aji. We are beginning the book of Colossians tonight, and I'm excited that we are moving on. James was good. Hey, but Colossians is even going to be, I can't say better, because they're all good. You know, the, all the words of God are equally good. But I, I thank the Lord for giving us the opportunity to study the book of Colossians. Today, the title of our talk is Called, Chosen, and Anointed to Serve. And that is talking about you. You are called, you are chosen, and you have been anointed to serve. You might be looking at yourself and you're saying, you know what? My pastor can do it. Maybe that deacon in our church could do it. Maybe the guy on the television could do it. Maybe the guy preaching the podcast could do it. I'm just a, you know, a peon. Who am I? I can't even... I can't even quote a scripture, but it does not matter. God sees you called, chosen, and anointed to serve, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So with that, I will read my introduction. The book of Colossians was written in the year 60 to 61 AD by the Apostle Paul during his first Roman imprisonment. imprisonment. Colossae was a small market town in modern-day Turkey, located 100 miles east of Ephesus. Paul wrote to the Christians at Colossae because the false false religion of Gnosticism had entered the church. With Gnosticism, Satan attacked the divinity of Christ. He attacked the deity of Christ. His goal was to make the Colossians question and doubt their salvation. He wants to confuse them and make them doubt Jesus Christ as the Messiah who came to atone for their sins and reconcile them to God. In his letter, Paul refuted Gnosticism by establishing three primary themes. And the book of Colossians, this is what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the book. Paul established three points to defeat Gnosticism. Number one, he established the person of the resurrected Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he is the head of the church and is the savior of the body, the church. Number two, he also identified the believer. You and I, believers' identification with Christ. You see, everything Christ went through, you went through with him. You were crucified with him. You were buried together with him. You are quickened and made alive together with him. You are raised up together with him. And you are now seated together with him in the heavenly places. That is your spiritual address. And you ought to know who you are. Don't let the enemy separate you from Christ. That because Christ is the head and you are the body. We cannot call the head Aji and call the body Bob. There goes Aji Bob. Aji is there. Bob is there. It's one. Christ is the head. You are the body. So you are Christ. You are the body of Christ. So you need to see yourself in alignment with Christ not separated from him. The enemy wants you to disassociate with Christ, but you have to say, no, I am in Christ because you are his body. So we have to identify with Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Then number three, Paul's found support for Epaphras. Epaphras was the pastor of Colossae, of the Colossian church. And Paul was putting his approval on him to say, hey, he's my man, he's good. You guys could trust Epaphras, he's a trusted leader. So these are the three things that Paul established in the book of Colossians, and we'll be delving into that starting tonight. So now we're going to focus on Colossians 1.1, because it's packed. 
It seems like a greeting, but it's packed. It's loaded. There is so much revelation in it. So let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. That is all we are looking at tonight. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So let me give you some background on Paul. Paul, by birth, was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, but by citizenship, he was a Roman. So he has dual citizenship, just like me. Citizenship of Nigeria, citizenship of America. Paul was was same way. So Paul said he's an apostle. What's an apostle? An apostle, or what we call in Greek, apostolos, is the sent one. That's what it means, the sent one. An apostle is a special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ. That's what an apostle is. A special messenger, it could be called a sent one, is the sent one, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ. Then he said, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy was Paul's protege. He worked with Paul and became the spiritual leader of the church in Ephesus. So Epaphras led the church in Colossae. Timothy led the church in Ephesus. Then Paul said something. He said, he's an apostle by the will of God. And I want us to look at that. I'm going to make a few points on that tonight. An apostle by the will of God. Why did Paul say that? Does he need to say that? Could it not have been inferred? Could it have been implied that we know that Paul is a personal representative of Christ and he was chosen by the will of God? If he had not said it, we would have concluded that, we would have come to that conclusion. But why did he say it? We'll find out. Number one, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Apostleship is a spiritual ministry gift given by God. We need to know that, first of all. Apostleship is a spiritual ministry given by God. That's the first point we want to make. Apostleship is a spiritual ministry gift given by God. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it reads, And God has appointed this in the church. First, apostles. God appointed them. These are the people God has chosen to equip the believers. The apostle is number one on the list. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. The next point I'd like to make on this is this. True apostles are called by God. They are not self-appointed or chosen by man. They are not chosen by a human committee. The call to be an apostle is a matter of grace. And therefore, it is in contrast to a talent or a natural human ability. True apostles are called by God. They are not self-appointed. When you go online today, there are so many people calling themselves apostles. And they are not. They will say, I'm apostle this, apostle that. Call me, invite me to your church. Lie. Many, many of them by the thousands. From America to Europe to Africa. And I want to show you tonight the misery of man or self-appointment. Don't appoint yourself to an office because it could come back and bite you, okay? It's dangerous to usurp a position that has to be led by the Spirit of God and you say, no, I am, I am a pastor, I am an apostle, I am this, I am that. It's dangerous. Let's look at Acts 1, 23 to 26. Acts 1, 23 to 26 in the New Living Translation. It reads, so they, they nominated two men. Joseph called Basabas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. 
Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in the ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So let me kind of give you a context here. So this is in Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ has been resurrected back to heaven. The, 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 the disciples were meeting in the upper room, and Peter led the conversation. Hey, we know what happened to Judas. Judas betrayed our Lord, and he's dead now. He had committed suicide, and he has gone to hell, basically, in a nutshell. That's what it meant. We need to replace Judas Iscariot. And what did they do? They casted lots, and they chose Matthias. And I want you to pay attention to something. They, pay at, they, they, they selected Matthias by casting lots, by casting lots. Let's look at Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 said, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. How should they have selected the next person to replace Judas Iscariot? By the leading of the Holy Spirit, not by the casting of lots. Never make decisions by any other way than the Holy Spirit. Never write, people will do different things and say, hey, you know what, if this happens and that happens, that must be God. It might not be God. Make sure you are hearing from the Holy Spirit before you make critical decisions. Don't go to a prophet. Don't go by a dream. Don't go by, you know what, I know this guy in our church. He's, he's very spiritual. I'm going to ask him. No. You, as a son of God, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why God put the Holy Spirit inside of you. You should be led by what we call the inward witness. God speaking directly to you, not through any other man, because you are a child of God. Will you go and talk to your neighbor so that your neighbor could communicate what you want to say to your children that lives in the house with you? Will you ever do that? Will you say, hey, neighbor, you know what, I want to, I want to talk to Sarah right here. Sarah is my daughter. Could you, could you come and tell Sarah what I'm saying? Isn't that ludicrous and stupid? So why do we go to a third party to hear from our Heavenly Father when we live in the same house with him? Isn't that foolish? And that's what we do. And we do that very, very much. And many people are still doing that today. God wants to talk to you directly. He doesn't want you to go to a prophet or go through a dream or go through someone else. It's all unscriptural. In the Old Testament, they went to a prophet because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit moved into you. You are a zip code. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. So you could talk to him. And you need to start beginning to learn that. So the story of Matthias in Acts chapter 1 illustrates the futility of men trying to elect a minister. This is the only place in the Bible Matthias was ever mentioned. You will never find it anywhere else. He was one and done. They picked him and that was it. So what Paul was saying is this. I am chosen by the will of God. Paul is saying, nobody elected me. The disciples didn't elect me like Matthias. I was not elected like Matthias. God elected me. God was, I mean, Paul was separating himself from any human committee that is appointing people to positions. He's saying, me, I was directly ordained by God. Another point I want to make is this. You might be a Paul, but you are seeing Matthias being elected to a position you would like. Have you ever craved to be in a position, maybe in your church, maybe in the community, and you felt like, Oh, I think I was the right person for that job. But they didn't pick me, they picked someone else. Don't be sorrowful. God knows your address. You see, God knows who he has picked. He knew his man was Paul. 
but he let the disciples pick Matthias. And in due time, Paul was, was selected by God himself. So all I'm saying is this, don't get down. If you feel that, hey, I could do that. This is what I desire to do. God knows where you live, and God will select you at the appropriate time. Very important. Another point I would like to make is this. God has called you to serve. I want to make that clear tonight. As Paul was called to serve by the will of God, so are you. You are called to serve. You are not a peon. You are not just a bench warmer. You have a specific role. You are not a wandering generality. You are a meaningful, intentful, specific. God chose you and God created you for such a time as this. And just like Jesus Christ was launched on planet Earth, so are you. You are not a mistake. You've been brought here for such a time as this, and God has a plan for you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and uh, 12, 12, 14, 18, and 27. The human body has many parts, but the, but the many parts make one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And there are three points I want to make from that text. Number one, you are in the body of Christ. You are actually organic part of the body of Christ. Christ is the head, you are his body. So you are Christ by the virtue that you are connected to the head. God is the one who calls you into his service. Number two, you have a role and a function in the church. God places you where he wants you to serve. Number three, you must be faithful to follow his calling. You must be faithful. The next point I'd like to make is this. All the members are necessary, and each has a necessary function. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 17. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 17. And it reads, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the hair says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how will you hear? Or if your whole body were an hair, how will you smell anything? You could see all the members are necessary. You can't say, well, you know what, I just don't, I don't know if I'm called to anything. You can't say that. Or you can't say, well, I want to be like the pastor. I want to talk like, like that person. I want to organize things like Jay Simon. No. But you have been called to a specific role. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you where you've been called. You are called to do one thing. And you'll be held accountable to that. One day when you see Jesus Christ and you see him face to face. And he will ask you, what did you do with that calling I placed on you when I made it clear to you? Are you minimizing yourself? Are you saying, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't even know if I'm even good at this. I don't know if I could do it as good as that person. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Another quick point. Not every member has the same function in the body. Not every member has the same function in the body. Romans 12, 4 to 5. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. And what this is talking about is that the interconnectedness and the interdependency of the body. I watched tonight as I came in. I saw Jordan. He came in with his guitar and everything, music utensils. Not shortly after, Chris drove by. 
and Chris came in. And I saw them get to work. Roll up his sleeves, started setting up. Chris did what he did. He opened the windows, opened the door. We set up the chairs. You could see the interconnectedness. What about if Jordan just said, you know what? I got home from work today, and my honey, my wife, she was baking cookies. And I just didn't feel like coming to Pops tonight. I'm just going to stay home. I just don't feel like serving tonight. What about if Chris said, hey, my daughter came home and said she has a soccer game. And I just decided to go, so I didn't come. Could we have had the wonderful heavenly worship experience that we've enjoyed tonight if they have done that? Or what about if Ken says, hey, you know what? I just don't know if I'm good at that drums again. I feel like playing guitar. Or I feel like playing violin like Isaac. What about if Ken starts getting jealous of Isaac and Isaac says, well, you know what? I feel like to beat the drums like Ken. See, but that's what we do. When we begin to look at others and we say, we are not as good as them, or I don't know if I could do that, I also, I also know, for whatever reason, they are all the lies of the devil. Because you are vital, because there is no part of my body, this little finger, if something happens to it, you will know it's there. My little toe, you could feel it. If you have a pimple, a small little pimple somewhere in your face, you are like, ah, you feel it. That is how essential you are. And we need to start looking at ourselves in such a way. And the last point I want to make about being called by the will of God, according to Paul, is also you are anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve. The anointing on the head is the same anointing on the body. And look at what Jesus Christ said in Luke 4, 18 to 19. Luke 4, our Lord says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, when you look at the Bible, one thing I found is this. There are two things that happen, and then people begin to serve. Number one, they get born again. And that happened to the disciples in John chapter 20, when Jesus breathed on them after his resurrection. Number two, they went to the upper room, baptized by the Holy Spirit. Number three, they begin to serve. If you have not yet gone through that, through that transition, you need to. I know everyone here is saved. I will encourage you to become baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a separate experience. You see, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it comes upon you to become a witness. That is why Jesus Christ told the disciples, don't go anywhere until... I send the Holy Spirit to you. They all had to go to the upper room, 120 of them. And the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to serve. So if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. It is available to you. Come and see me at the end. We will lay hands on you, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit upon you enables you to become a witness for Jesus Christ. Very important. And when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you become anointed. Not that you can't serve because, because you have the Holy Spirit within, but the Holy Spirit within is for your own benefit. The Holy Spirit upon is for the other's benefit. The Holy Spirit within is like a well. The Holy Spirit upon is like a river. A well is for personal consumption. A river is for communal consumption. God wants to use you on a larger scale beyond, beyond what you will ever know. And sometimes the only missing link is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples went through it. The Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in the Holy Spirit, so you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If they are not teaching that in the church, you're going to, well, God bless them, but that is the truth. It's in the Word of God. 
Thank you, brother. So you might say, I do what you're saying sounds good. I like it. I'm getting fired up about it. But I just don't know where I'm called to. And right now, even where I'm serving, I just don't know if that's the right place for me. I'm an usher. I'm a traffic attendant at my church. And I've wondered, is this where I'm supposed to be? Let me give you some metrics that will give you some indication that you're in the right place. Number one, you'll be good at it. Number two, you won't feel like a round peg in a square hole trying to make something work that isn't working. Number three, you will work hard, but it won't be hard for you to do it. God gives you the special ability to do what he's calling you to do. Number four, you will be a blessing to people, and people will give you feedback. They will say something like, wow, you know what? When you did that today, I was just so blessed. I like how you directed my car, how you got me that parking spot. I like how you sang. I like how you played the guitar. I like how you ministered to me today. I like how you organize, how you lead. So what do you do next? Just step out. Try something. When you go to church this Sunday, try something. Sign up for something. If you don't like it, move on. But the Lord will start telling you and you'll start seeing your ministry begin to blossom. But if you say, IG, I'm still not convinced. I don't think I'm called to be an apostle. I don't think I'm called to be a prophet. I don't think I'm called to be an evangelist. I would like to be a teacher, but I don't think I'm called to it. What am I called to? I will tell you a good starting place. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. Third, our teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, and I underline, those who can help others. Then those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown tongues. At a minimum, you should be in the ministry of helps. You can help someone. Recently, I was talking to a Nigerian lady I met at our church. I go to Victory Family Church, and I was talking to her. I say, Esther, where do you serve at the church? And Esther is a mother of three. She's a nurse. She and her husband came from Nigeria, and they live right, right in Cranberry. She said, you know what I do, IG? He said, on Wednesday night, we drive to church, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, maybe it's Thursday. On Thursday night, we, dropped, we drive to church, and we clean the church. So that's what I enjoy. We clean the bathroom, we vacuum the hallway, we wipe everything, we make it spark, and she loves it. Let me tell you something. Pastor John's position as the pastor is no more higher than that lady cleaning the toilet. In the sight of God, there will be a reward. God sees that. When she takes the brush out and she sprays the toilet and clean it, the Lord of the church is watching her and she will get a reward as Pastor John who is the head that everybody sees. Your reward, don't think because you're doing something menial, something that is just, maybe you just vacuum the floor or you mow the grass or whatever. In God's eyes, it's big. And it's as big as the guy standing on the stage on Sunday. So whatever the Lord has called you to do, do it with joy. Put a smile on your face. Stroll when you are vacuuming that floor. Sing to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I thank you for this privilege and opportunity to wash the toilet. And I'm going to wash it with vigor and joy. And that's a reward for that. You see, the ministry of help is not a lesser calling than the fivefold ministry. And the devil doesn't want you to be who you are called to be. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want you to do what God has called you to do. He wants you to be dissatisfied, and he wants you to feel inferior and unimportant. The ministry of helps is a valid ministry, highly esteemed by God. A lot of churches will not function 
without the Ministry of Health. The Ministry of Health keeps every church running. I mean, just imagine the parking attendants are not there on a Sunday. There will be accident. Nobody will be able to minister. There will be police with siren trying to move people around. What about if you go next time you go to the restroom and it is dirty? What about you try to get a cup of coffee before the service starts? There's no coffee. Someone made that coffee. Every part is important. And tonight, I want us to look at a guy. We're going to look at Philip tonight. Philip is like you and I. If Philip were living tonight, Philip would be a pop guy. He will. And I want you to just, I want us to spotlight Philip and see how he got born again and he began serving. Let's, let's read about Philip in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. But, the, as, the, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their, their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked, the, liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. There are a couple of things I want to point out here. Number one, there was a need in the church. Always be sensitive to a need. When a pastor identifies a need in the church, if that need, if it makes you feel somehow, maybe you are the person for that job. Maybe that's what the Lord is calling you for. If you get excited about it, or you are like, or you have a sense of justice about it, that might be something the Lord is calling you to. So there was a need here in the church, and the disciples, the disciples said, hey, we can't do this menial task. We need to get some people to do this work because we would rather study the word than run a food program. So whenever the Ministry of Helps goes to work, it relieves the pastors. You see, every time you serve, the pastor and the people at the leadership of that church are being relieved. Relieved to do what? To spend time with the Lord and teach the word and preach the word. So you want your pastor to be soaked in the Holy Spirit. You don't want your pastor running around throughout the week. You want your pastor in the bosom of Christ, studying the word, praying, because you want a pastor that is connected to God. So when you become a ministry of helps person, you are relieving your pastor. So that's the first benefit here. Number two, in verse seven, God's message continued to spread. Whenever ministry of helps goes to work, it accelerates the spreading of the gospel. So you want more people born again? Join the ministry of helps. It accelerates the speed of the gospel. Number three, the numbers of believers greatly increased. You see, just from choosing these seven men, number of believers increased. Then number four, many of the Jewish priests were converted. People at the echelon of religion, they were converted to Christianity just because they picked seven men to serve. That one thing had so much downstream impact that it impacts the whole community. But again, like I said, I want us to focus on Philip. 
I would love to meet Philip. One day when I get to heaven, I'm going to go meet Philip. Because Philip, from the research that I did, when Jesus was alive, historical document pointed to Philip was one of the 70 that Christ selected to go minister. You know, Christ called the 12, he sent the 70 out. Philip was one of the, one of the 70 he sent out. And you could see that in Luke 10.1. After the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every city and place where himself was about to come. So obviously, Philip must have attended some of Jesus' gathering. The Lord knew Philip. And the Lord said, hey, Philip, you're going to be one of the people I'm sending out. It was one of the 70. But he didn't stop there. He went to church. And in the church, he was serving. And when you look at Acts 6.5, Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following, Stephen, and they chose Philip. Why did they choose Philip? Why did they choose Philip? They chose Philip because Philip has a servant heart. He was one of the original seven, and he was selected to serve in the Jerusalem church. You must be known to your pastor. Be known as a servant in your church. Your pastor should know Isaac is in the house. They should know and say Dave is in the house. Because guess what? Whatever we need get done, Dave will volunteer. Hazard will say, yeah, I'll do it. Be willing to serve. It's an attitude. And when you serve, have a smile on your face. Don't have a frown. Serve cheerfully. Your attitude is what makes your ministry effective. If you do it, do it grudgingly, it doesn't count as much as when you do it cheerfully. So Philip was selected. But I want you to look at the trajectory of Philip. You see, God knows what you are doing and how faithful you are. And he will promote you in due time if you don't give up. Look at what happened to Philip. The Philip guy that was a deacon or the ministry of helps guy, God promoted him. He became the evangelist. Let's look at Acts 8, 4, 5 to 6. Acts 8, 4, 5 to 6. Now those who were scattered abroad went about through the land from place to place, preaching the glad tidings, the word, the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God. Philip the deacon. Not the apostle, you see, it's the deacon. Went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ. So not only is he now a deacon, now he's an evangelist. He's now proclaiming, preaching and teaching the word. Proclaimed the Christ, the Messiah to them, the people. And great crowds of people with one accord listened to and heeded what was said by Philip. As they heard him, they watched the miracles and wonder which he kept performing from time to time. Now, let's look at our list again. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak unknown languages. Philip started with those who can help others. You see, that's how he started. He was helping with the food program in the church. But look at how God began to use Philip. Philip is not doing miracles. Philip is now having the gift of healing in addition to helping others. You see, because he was faithful, he invested himself. God began to enlarge his impact and his influence. Do you want to be influential in your neighborhood? Want to be influential beyond what you could ever think? Begin to serve where you are right now. God sees you, and at the appointed time, he will promote you. He will not forget your labor. Don't think you're doing it for the pastor. You're not doing it for the pastor. You're doing it for the head of the church, the Lord Christ Jesus, the Archegon, the head of the church. That's who you're doing it for. All right? Do it. Do it. Enjoy it. Get into it. Let people know you for your service, the excellence of the work you're doing. 
And that's what Philip was doing. Now the Lord begins to expand his footprint. Now he's doing miracles. He has the gift of healing. And then look at what happened in Acts 8, 26 to 29. The trajectory, the upward trajectory of Philip continues. Now God is now using Philip to minister to head of states and foreign dignitary. This is the guy that started in the church as a ministry of help, helping food, hot dog. Okay, we're going to give you six hot dogs. Take it home. Okay, you, here, here is some bread. You guys need bread. Here, you guys need fish. And he finishes, he's smelling of fish, smelling of bread. And the wife says, why do you say smell so horrible? Oh, I was helping the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. We don't want any discontentment in our church. So I stayed late and we were distributing the food program for them. But now look, he's ministering to head of state and foreign dignitary. Let's look at Acts 8, 26 to 29. As for Philip, then look on top of this. Now even heaven is communicating to Philip. You will see, you will see. Let's read this first. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. That's a foreign dignitary, my friend. Foreign dignitary. That is like meeting the vice president or meeting an ambassador back in those days. He met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the Kandeki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. You see, now heaven is communicating through Philip. Look at that at the beginning. Angel of the Lord said to Philip, look at the end, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, how would you like the angel speaking to you, Holy Spirit speaking to you? Isaac, wake up, I want you to go talk to your neighbor. You see, you could hear from God, but you can't hear from God sitting at home doing nothing. When you begin to serve others, you'll start hearing from God. Go here, go there, because that's what happened to Philip. Angels are speaking to him, the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. By the way, I want to make a quick caution. Philip did not go out seeking angels. Angels came and seek Philip. So don't go out seeking angels. All right? There are people that go out seeking angels. If you go seek angels, you'll find a demon. Don't do it. Let the angel find you and talk to you. And this guy was having some spiritual experience he will never have had. Do you know what happened shortly after here? He baptized the treasurer of Ethiopia. How would you like to have the pleasure of baptizing the head of state? baptized, dipped the guy in water. And then you know what happened? Right after that happened, the Lord teleported him. He vanished to Azotus. How would you like to vanish? I mean, I don't know about you, but I would like to... The Lord just took him. He just left where he was baptizing the Philip and showed up in another place. He's having experiences. Hegel speaking to him, Holy Spirit speaking to him, baptizing Duncan, the treasurer of Egypt, assistant to the queen of Ethiopia. And God saying, Philip, you have traveled out of Jerusalem towards Ethiopia. I don't have a car for you, but don't worry, buddy. You don't need a limo. I'll just give you the Holy Ghost, <laughs> Holy Ghost rocket. Rocket blast in a millisecond. Bam! Vanish to another place. God has experiences for you. But you might be saying, how could I be like Philip? How could I be like Paul? It's by you serving, starting right now. Put your hand to something and begin to serve with a smile. Our Lord Jesus Christ and you will be like Philip. Then it didn't end there. That was good enough. If that was the end of Philip, that was great. But look at what happened. 20 years later, Philip had become a well-recognized leader in the church. 
a successful dad with a beautiful home and children. You see, God is good. You don't lose when you serve Jesus Christ. Look at Acts 21.8. Acts 21.8. On the morrow, we, Paul and Luke, who are the top-notch members of the church at that time, we left there and came to Caesarea, and we went into the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven first deacons. You could see he's been promoted. He was one of the first deacons, but now he's the evangelist. Now his notoriety has spread. The leadership knows about him. He had influence. Paul and Luke, who are the top people in the church, they said, we're going to go stay with Philip. What earned him that right? That Paul and Luke would stay with Philip, a common guy that was a deacon, serving all dogs and bread in the church. Because he kept on serving, and he never stopped. And it didn't end there. And we stayed with him, and he had four maiden daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Look at his legacy. God has blessed him with a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, four maiden daughters, four virgins, and they had the gift of prophecy. You see, God is blessing Philip up. Not only does he have communal influence, but now he has a beautiful home. You see, things might not be right at home for you right now, but begin to serve the Lord. The Lord will take care of your lack. The Lord will take care of your weaknesses. The Lord will take care of your deficiency. Things you thought are not right. If you begin to serve others, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. Maybe something is not right with the wife. Maybe something is not right with the children. Maybe the bank account is not right. Maybe you are sick. But because you are serving, the Lord says, I see my son. I see what he's doing. It's not focused on himself. He's blessing others. And I'm going to touch him. I'm going to heal him. I'm going to bless his children. How bless his wife. How stretch his arms. How let him have influence all over the place. And that's what happened to Philip. So what are we saying tonight? Jesus was chosen. He was empowered and anointed to serve. Paul was chosen, empowered and anointed to serve. Philip was chosen, empowered and anointed to serve. You are chosen, my friend and my dear brother. You are chosen, you are empowered, and anointed to serve. Good stuff. Thanks, Aji. If you were moved by this message and you want to find out more about Big C Ministries, find us on Facebook just by searching Big C Ministries. And if you're local to the Pittsburgh area and want to get involved, send us a message right there on our page, and we'd love to be in contact with you. Until next time, thanks for listening, and God bless.